Mahin, this is an amazing khutbah, and I was uh, telling you beforehand, this is really unique um, in that you were really cluing us into your, you know, casual approach to reconnecting with God, and I think that really makes Islam and religion and God so much more accessible, so um, it really was a treat today to, to hear your perspective and hear it in your voice, so thank you again for that. Uh, one of my favorite parts that I found most compelling about what your story was telling was um, when you were having your conversations with God in the car on the way back from the gym every day and when you discovered that process for yourself. Um, I was wondering if you remember sort of the first time that you did that and what sparked that for you and was it sort of like an organic inspiration that made you start doing that? What made you start talking out loud okay. to God in the car on the way back from the gym? <laughs> That's a good question. I'm trying to think of what, if I can remember, I don't think I can remember the first time. Um, honestly, I think that it was sparked out of like desperation, honestly, like to just have, I have a lot of feelings and like a lot of things that are going on that I wanted to just like get out. And so to just have that release it was kind of that's kind of what it was like every single night because I would go through everything that happened that day and so it was just really cathartic to have that time to just be like all of this happened like please like and it just felt good to kind of just release it all out there um, and to have it and I think it was I think maybe it was from Trent like I used to talk on, on the phone with one of my uh, best friends a lot and we kind of had these kind of discussions and I think days where I weren't, wasn't able to do that and I still had all these things I wanted to say. Um, I think that's kind of where I was like, okay, well, let me just talk. And then I just started talking out loud in my car. And I didn't have like a nice like kind of car where people were like, oh, she's probably on Bluetooth. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like an old Honda, like 1999. So people were like, what is she doing? Like, there's no headphones in sight. So yeah, nice. and no tinted windows. <laughs> but it helped, it really helped. Uh, I have a question um, about sort of balancing free will and or understanding the difference between your part in free will and waiting for God to also open the path and open the way for you because I'm sure there are a lot of us who have been praying for things for a long time um, and you even said that um, you were praying for a year for the job situation right so how do you balance that when you have been praying for something for a while and um, you're not sure if you know, you're supposed to keep doing that or stop or, you know, how do you balance that, that struggle? Yeah, that's always a really hard one because it is, honestly, it all comes down to just like having complete trust mm -hmm. and faith and like the word in Arabic is thawakal and it's like one of my favorite words because it is just having complete faith in God and everything and I think that when you're praying and everything that you're praying for, you want to have complete faith that God is listening because he always is and that he's going to make that happen because you're asking. And that's written in the Quran, ask and you shall receive, like that's very clear. Um, but it may not always be in the way you think that it's gonna happen. And if it's not happening, it's cause it's being, you're being protected from something. So always having that trust that, okay, it'll happen in its timing. It'll happen when it's supposed to happen. As long as you keep doing your part. Um, like you have to, you know, they're like it said earlier, like you have to like, put one step forward and then God will come come to you. Mm -hmm. Like you have to walk a little bit and then he'll come running. And so I think that's kind of the dynamic where you still need to try, still need to put in the effort. It's like um, recently like I was switching jobs and you can't just 
sit there and be like, okay, well, I went to Hajj and I prayed for this, so like, I'm gonna have it. You know, like you still have to keep doing the work of like doing the applications, going to all the interviews, but still having that faith and trust that, yes, I did pray for this, so God will make it happen and make it happen in whatever way is best for me, and that's exactly what happened. Mm -hmm. And so it just comes down to just having the faith mm -hmm. and using that to guide you and never, no matter how, frustrated you get just know that if it hasn't happened yet it's not gonna it's not supposed to happen at that mm -hmm. timing and god's timing is the best of timing mm -hmm. i read this quote once that was um like if something happens according to your plan say alhamdulillah but if something doesn't happen to your according to your plan say alhamdulillah twice mm -hmm. because that means it's according to god's plan mm -hmm. so I, I love that that's awesome thank you so much for your kutba assalamu alaikum i wanted a little clarification as you were talking about the dichotomy of trying to accommodate what your parents were kind of strict about in the household and then what you were experiencing outside of the household with your schoolmates or whatever. And at some point, I don't know if I'm misquoting you or if I misunderstood you, but I thought you said you found that the two were not compatible and you used, I think, the word accommodate as in you wouldn't be able to accommodate Islam to this culture, or you couldn't accommodate the culture to Islam. And uh, the first thing that went off in my head was a bell like, uh-oh, who is thinking that Islam is counter to the US culture? Yeah. You know, if you understand my point. Yeah. And so I wanted you to please explain a little bit about what you were thinking, and do you see where somehow you cannot be an American and be a Muslim all at the same time, because that is problematic. Yeah. So I just need a you know, clarification yeah, from you. Yeah, of course. So that was, I feel like, during a time in my life where I felt that, where I didn't feel like I could possibly have both because it didn't feel like they all clashed. And at that point, I didn't really see Islam as like, I saw Islam as my culture. Like, I didn't see it as my religion properly. And so, sorry, I saw Islam as my culture. I didn't see it properly as my religion, and so it clashed. I would, I would went to school in San Diego, and so it literally felt like when I was flying from San Diego back to my parents' house in the Bay Area, it was like flying from one life to another life because I felt like two different people in those two different worlds. I didn't, and so it really did, like, I had this, like, identity clash of who am I because at my parents' house I'm one person and in college I'm another person and I don't reflect that person when I'm back. And so that's kind of what my journey led me to realize is that I can encompass all of these parts of me and then that Islam has nothing to do with all of that. Islam is the core root of it, of it all. And there is no, like, you know, that there is no, like, you can't make Islam work in the American culture because, like I was saying, it's not a culture, it's a religion. And, like, with that, it should be your roots and everything that you do. And, like, I now have been able to easily incorporate into a culture, like, eating zabiha, like I, I do go out to restaurants, eat veget I, eat pes I tell them I eat pescatarian and make it work in that way. If I need to pray at work, I go and I find a room and I pray. The other day I had an event to go to at um, Rodeo Drive, it was in Beverly Hills. I had no time, so I, had the, I pulled out my John Maz on the side of the road during the super crowded like walkway in the um, sidewalk because I was like, well, there's no time. People are walking, but it's just going to happen here. And so, and to not be afraid to mix all of that because it's not um, there is nothing stopping you from having Islam as part in America too. Like it is very welcome here. Like in there, I know there's some aspects and places that it's not, but you need to be strong in your faith and you need to trust that God is taking care of you and trust that what you're doing, like I'm, I don't have time. I need to do my Esther prayer. 
to, and so I'm just gonna do it right here on the sidewalk even though other people are walking by and God will take care of the rest. Doesn't matter who's watching, who's gonna see because I have God on my side and that'll be fine. And it took me a while to realize that, that I could have this, this both, but at the same time I was going to some event in Rodeo Drive in LA, you know? So that was a very American thing too. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to have that balance took me a while and to be able to realize that that doesn't matter, like I, whatever I do, everything should be based on um, God and based on religion. And like that even in choices recently, I told you I was doing um, job searching and I got an offer. And one of the things I wanted to think about was, okay, like is this company and what they're doing going to be um, supporting something that like will make God be happy with me, even if it's a good offer. And so these are the shifts I've started to make even in these parts of my life that are, that a lot of the times like people forget that religion has to come into these big portions of your life too because job is job, religion is religion, when really like religion and then you know culture, job, family, like everything gets stacked on top of it and so now I'm really trying to live with that basis and that core root no matter what country I'm in, if I'm in Saudi, if I'm in America, if I'm in Pakistan, if I'm in the UK, like religion comes first. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Does that answer your question? I had another just yeah. quick question. How many siblings do you have? I have two older brothers and a younger sister. Oh, okay, so there are four of you. No, I just asked because I know in a family, are you the oldest or? No, I'm the third child. You're the third child, okay. Yeah. She's a middle child. I am a middle child. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm the third child of four siblings oh. also, so oh. you're okay. <laughs> gives me hope. College life being so different, actually, uh, my daughter's Islam was strengthened because they were very active in and very dedicated to their MSAs while they were in college. Alhamdulillah, no, that's great. I think for me the difference was I've had this like clash with with my culture and religion before going and I mm -hmm. felt like I'll, so I kind of released when I got to college and was like I don't want anything to do with it. I actively took I had friends in the MSA and the Pakistani Student Association, but I actively actually made it a choice to not go um, because I was trying so hard to like, mm -hmm. because I was trying so hard to go the opposite side of the spectrum because I didn't understand the balance. So I went from one side to be like, I'm just gonna go all the way over here. And it didn't go well, as you heard. Um, and I was, my life was a mess just entirely, but like that's what pushed me to do that. But I also know a lot of people like that who alhamdulillah go to college and that's when they start forging their own relationship because that's when they're usually the first time on their own. And so they do join these MSA groups, which are phenomenal, I highly suggest. Um, and then they're able to do that earlier. I just, it took me a little longer <laughs> to mm -hmm. get there. And everyone's route is different. And one other comment, I have an app on my phone that says prayer spaces. Oh. I'll show it to you when yeah, we finish. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> I've been doing parking garages, sidewalks. <laughs> just some small comfort. In New York City, people pray on the sidewalk all the time. Oh, so yeah, I don't like, see it. When I was in um, Mecca, like a yeah. couple months, I thought it was beautiful. People would just stop the car and then they would just start praying. And yeah. that we don't see that here when that's like how it should be. You just stop right. and you pray. It takes like five, ten minutes and then you go. Yeah, no, it's, it. a, it's a normal thing. Well, because also everybody's walking on yeah. the, all the time. So. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. yeah, people were a little bit shocked <laughs> when they saw me. We, we should make it normal here, though. If we all do it, it can yeah. be a thing. I see your daughter's here. <laughs> she, 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 she's just telling me who's that 
you and her is exactly in the same place in the family because uh -huh. she have two brothers and one little sister. Oh, really, alhamdulillah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, mm, I don't know if she's going to talk, but I just, it just clicked me, like a, it just make me so happy that you actually went and pray on the walk, like on the, uh, like a side of the street. I have not done it yet. I, I, in that kind of situation, I just pray in the car or, of course, I, I still try to, like, a, in the hidden place, not that much public places. But I, I went to Beverly Hills Hotel for my conference and it was um, Ramadan. And they are serving dinner at six o'clock. Um, and um, I specifically tell them that I'm fasting. So the, uh, the servers, they did not bring my food. Um, and I was like, okay. Um, and then um, one person came to me and asked me like, so what time are you gonna be like uh, eating? So I said, it can be 8.15 or so. And um, so still, I don't know what is going on. Everybody finished eating. The conference was like almost done. Uh, it's going to be finishing like 8.30, and there will be question and answer probably until 9. And 8.15, I have my plate covered like perfectly. Like <laughs> I was like really so pleased. And then I was like, wow, OK, thank you. And then I was like, OK. I have to go to bed. <laughs> so I asked, uh, I came out and I asked like, I need to pray, I need a space. And he took me, uh, there is a guy, he took me in a beautiful place. And um, he, there is a, like a couches and stuff. And then he said, it's all yours. Wow. And you know, like when you, as, as you said, like a, you take one step and it come to you. But that one step, take a, Take your gut to do it. Yeah, the yeah. one I will say the one step like initially is hard to do, and even um, like I was on a flight and I still get scared that like yeah. I have to fray and there's people next to me and then what if they freak out? And so yeah. I like do it the kind of like slyly, but yeah. still I'm gonna like, I, make it up. Yeah, later. I do in the flight. I go to bathroom to make my wudu. They will be with me yeah. and it's like okay, I'm praying. Yeah. So there will be, be like a, you know the air stress coming to it things and stuff and they're like what is your mom do like oh she's praying okay <laughs> yeah and so that I came out of that I, I'm older so it it took me a while like uh, since I came to America like 29 years I think I started praying in public like at least after 10 years so yeah. it it took a gut yeah it takes yeah. a while but like yeah. for me I'm just like man what's what's worse like people getting upset with me or like missing a namaz and god being upset with me and so i just like okay just put it in perspective like five minutes it'll be done like you don't have to be like a super slow namaz if you're doing it on the sidewalk <laughs> but, <laughs> but just like get it done and try to do because i know like they said they try to do it while standing up too so i'll try to if i have the means to do it standing up i'll try to do it um if i can and so but it takes like it's still it's it's still scary every single time. Like it doesn't like, there hasn't been a time where I'm like, oh golly, like <laughs> I'm on the sidewalk. So it's still like intimidating, but you feel really accomplished afterwards mm -hmm. too. Like you're like, okay, like I did this for God and like it was worth it and you feel good about it. So I highly suggest if anyone like just try it out. It actually is very rewarding. 
Yeah. I, I, um, uh, I kind of went through that when I was in, when I first went to college. So I had that uh, more of that experience where I went to college and that I was just like getting into Islam right before I left for college. And so it was like blossoming and it, um, I could um, form my whole schedule and my whole life around prayer times. Um, and then I think after college, like when you don't have control of your schedule, that's when you sort of run into this situation. And then somewhere along the way, I realized like, you know, there's a lot of times we will, you know, internalize Islamophobia, internalize what we see in the media about what we think people think of us, and we make it much bigger than it actually is. And I realized like, oh, I see people, you know, in the park doing Tai Chi under the tree all the time. And it's like, I don't think, I think, okay, it's like a cultural practice. It's, you know, I don't think of it as a big, strange deal. Um, and so I think sometimes just lessening that and being like, okay, whatever, it's, it's not that big of a deal. Like, yes, there might be a few hateful people here and there, but um, for the most part, people will notice, but they won't obsess over it the way that we are. So I think that's uh, important to remember as well. Yeah. <laughs> So I pray in my work, right? And we have really don't have, um, I used to have my own office, but there, currently I don't. So we all doctors sit in one room and we share, right? So right now I don't have any office. So um, we have a, a room which is um, used by uh, the therapist. Um, for our mental health patients. So I, so I ask her like if she don't have patient in a, like during the whole prayer. So I always try to make sure that, do you have patient like it? Like I just need 10 minutes. And so she, so that's how I get that room to prayer. And so then I have to uh, tell everybody that I am in that room. Uh, so then, this last week, one of my referral coordinator, she she's a young girl, and she came to me and she said, "I'm gonna, I'm I'm making something. Which one you like?" And she's in the computer with all these beautiful girls with a hijab, and she said, "Which one you like?" And I was like, "What are you doing?" And then there is a girl with a like a, it looked like Ariel, like a pink dress with blue and pink hijab. And I was like, I like that one. And she made this little um, little card, and she laminated it, and then she put a little <laughs> string with it, and she put it in my door. So she said, okay, you, every time you go pray, you put that in the door. <laughs> like, people actually do respect when you do respect your 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 religion or yourself or your morals or your identity then people actually respect that and i think um they really really appreciate and try to help you yeah i agree i think that people like once you show your actual commitment and dedication like people admire that regardless of what it's for like they admire just people that are dedicated and i think that showing something like that they will go the extra mile to do something like that for you because like they're like a lot of majority of people are actually very kind 
And so they will accommodate when necessary. And that's a beautiful story. I love that. I really like how you said you feel accomplished afterwards. And I recently, in recent years, learning about boundaries and codependency, I realized that the five prayers are actually our antidote to codependency. Because no matter where you are, these are my boundaries, these are my priorities, um, and everybody else I will say no to. And then if there's a problem, then you, you identify that there's some sort of you know, bad system you're a part of that's not respecting your boundaries. Um, and even in terms of thinking of time boundaries, right? If um, I had a friend who uh, was working for an agent in Hollywood and he actually ended up getting um, uh, is it a UTI or whatever it is because he wasn't allowed to go to the bathroom and you know in a situation like that um, if you have to pray five times a day and you, you you will come up against that situation much sooner and you'll realize you're in a toxic situation much sooner um, than if you're um, you know if you're going through life with no boundaries you're just uh, kind of conforming to whatever environment um, or people you're around. So I think that's actually a, a kind of a hidden, uh, really amazing aspect of praying on time five times a day. Yeah, yeah. no, I would definitely agree with mm -hmm. that. And I think there's also like a lot of um, science behind it too. If you look, there's a science of like, okay, like it's suggested that you take little breaks like every couple hours and like you try to do something silent and spirit like that is now the, the suggestions they're making mm -hmm. and this is really forces you to do that and there's also science behind all the motions that we make how good they are for releasing tension in your body there's um, science behind the motions of um, badu and how that's really good for releasing, mm -hmm. releasing stress and so all of these little things that like we didn't realize have like now people in this society are realizing that there's there's um, like benefits to these kind of things. And even just like if we're doing thicker and you're doing it on your hands, there's benefit to that too that helps shoot neurons in your brain and helps like form connections even stronger. So every little thing, like there's just so much, there's so much deeper meaning behind it that God created that we don't fully even sometimes recognize. And now it's coming out like in scientific methods and the Quran had it like so many years ago. And so I do agree with that. And I feel like your day, once you, like when you get used to kind of having the prayers in there, like your day feels off without them. Mm -hmm. And especially like if you miss Fudger and then yeah. like, the, I don't know, my whole day is just yeah. like, doesn't, and I just feel like, oh no, like I miss Fudger. What if this is happening? Because God's not protecting me because I miss Fudger. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, they really do start like having, playing a big role in your day. It definitely gives you a, a, a very empowering feeling of control over your day when you're, you're not a victim to the day. You're not getting up because something's drawing you somewhere. You're purposely, deliberately starting your day and planning it throughout the day and you have control over that. So yeah. I see some new faces. Is there anyone who'd like to ask a question or share a reflection? <laughs> you, the two of you are shooting back looks. You already spoke. Do you have anything you want to ask or share? Anything? No? Anybody? Sure. Yes, yes, go for it. No, go for it. You first, and then we'll go. I'm to take the pressure off. Um, so thank you so much. And uh, I wanted to actually go back to the question around like free will and the decision. So I really appreciated the story about your job. And um, I feel like oftentimes the stories that I hear about people um, accepting the sort of absolute trust in God are connected to a fairly dramatic story where there's sort of like no other reason or no other explanation, right? Like how do you get a job after one phone interview that doesn't have this, right? Those kinds of things. 
And so I'm trying to um, figure out, uh, and then you can look backwards and say, oh, well, all these other things were because of that too. Um, so I'm trying to sort of figure out how do you um, sort of getting to that place for myself without having that dramatic, so clear sort of story. So, right, and I'm at a, if I'm at a crossroads now and I'm sort of, okay, I know I need to put complete trust in God, but also I'm taking the steps. Am I taking enough steps? How do I know? Because I don't have that experience of like, oh, I've experienced this and so now I can really like sit in my confidence. Yeah, and def that's definitely like a hard like, it's really, and I don't think I'm anywhere near to having like the complete trust in Thwakko because it is, it's not something that's easy. And like, and I think that for me now it's kind of recognizing like the feeling of like anxiety that I get or nervousness and like calming myself down with like, okay, you're not having complete trust right now. Like, and so even on my drive here, I was like, oh my God, I got to do this. Like, what if this happens? What if this happens? And I was like, okay, what am I doing? I'm not having complete trust right now. If I just put this in the hands of God, like, well, however it's supposed to happen is how it's going to happen. There's no reason for me to get anxious. And then, like, of course, like, it's easier said than done. My heart was still racing. Um, but it's like, when you have that, it is calming. And it is nice to know that. And I think that, like, um, to just un try to understand, like, for me, it's understanding the feelings I'm feeling, like, internally of if I'm feeling distraught, if I'm feeling anxious, if I'm feeling, like, upset, if I'm feeling frustrated. Um, like, these are, like, indicators for me that, okay, like, something's off, and, like, where is it off from? And then, like, what I was saying with the, sorry, like, what I was saying with the job stuff, too, um, I was debating between two positions recently, and one of them, um, I thought was fantastic. It had everything that I thought I was looking for. And I was praying on it and I was praying my istikara, which is the guidance um, prayer. And something just wasn't sitting right. And I thought I was like, am I just being ungrateful? Like, am I just being like, like, you know, it has everything that I thought I was looking for. Like, why can't I shake this feeling? Like, is it out of I'm, like not being grateful enough? And I was scared because I was like, I don't want to be displeasing to this blessing that God has given me, but something doesn't feel right. Um, and then a couple days later, I got um, another offer and that like immediately, there was an like, immediate sense of like peace and stuff that came with it um, and like just uncertainty. And like I was also still praying at the Sakara like every day at that point too. Um, it was only like less than a week later. And so that last, those was literally last week. And like that really showed me the distinct difference in like, okay, that was, I was praying and I was asking for guidance and I was still feeling something was off. I also need to trust that feeling. Like I need to trust that and trust to trust to know that like this is something that like I'm asking for and God's making me feel this way, which means there might be something to it. And like, so to understand like that as long as you're praying and as long as you're asking, like take inventory on whatever you're like feeling internally and use that as your guidance because, and then when you know 100%, like that's when you know. And so it's easy, of course, like what you're saying, when you have those dramatic, like when I had those two dramatic experiences, it was very easy to know the difference of the feeling. And now I can use that to kind of filter in like new scenarios of, okay, like this clearly wasn't, isn't how I was feeling when I had that like 100% certainty. So there's something off here. So it really is like a personal kind of like understanding how you're feeling, understanding how to react to that. But, and understanding where the trust comes from from there, as long as you're still praying. And as long as you're still offering, like, and you're asking, then, like, just figure out how you're feeling internally, and that will be your guidance. But just for little things, like, okay, like, you're going to do something, and you're feeling, then it's just like, okay, have 
the complete trust of like, it's gonna happen how it's supposed to happen, especially when it's out of your control. When things are out of your control, then you just have to have the complete like, like you did as, like for this, I did as much as I could to prepare, like I should just show up and do my best. And that's when like the trust comes in. Thank you. I hope that helps. Thank you, it does. Um, I don't really think I have a question, but just to kind of um, share like everything that you were saying, I could completely relate to. I was actually talking to you about it before um, we started about my identity, and um, I was also born and raised in, well, you weren't born here, but um, I was born and raised in California and um, the Bay Area, actually. And um, I always oftentimes get asked, like, you know, where are you from and who are you? And it was just, it's just one of those questions that I always hated to answer, and I didn't like it, even when you have to fill out those forms and they're, you know, pick a bubble, like, which one are you? My dad's from Pakistan and my mom's from Fiji, but her ancestors are from India. Um, I uh, have a stronger relationship with my dad's family, but it's just, so I would consider myself more Pakistani, but it's just a really difficult question. and. I'm also American, so um, a lot of the things that you were saying was pretty much my life <laughs> growing up. Um, I really liked how you distinguished the difference between uh, culture and religion. Uh, I agree with that. Other than that, I don't really have a question, but thank you for sharing. Um, and I also appreciated how in the beginning you said, um, you asked us those questions, and told us that we can, there's a, we're actually more similar than different and that we can relate to each other more than um, we think. And um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I'm glad that you were able to resonate with that, but also I understand like it's a struggle. And so I'm glad you've made it through or you're working on it. Yeah, um, going on uh, off of Abrafi's uh, earlier question, I think, um, a lot of these misconceptions about culture, religion, um, and a supposed clash come from not reading the Quran. Um, because when we read the Quran, it's very, very clear that God created all of the d diversity uh, of languages and colors. That's literally a verse. Um, and this is a mercy for us and a blessing. Um, and uh, a lot of times, um, you know, these supposed East versus West cultural clash that we're sold is there for a political reason that then kind of filters into our families and then is passed down to us, um, you know, wherever we are on that side of the spectrum. So um, we shouldn't buy into that hype and we should just read the Quran for ourselves and see that there is no inherent clash. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that for me, um, a lot of times, like I was saying, like it didn't, I didn't understand what was coming from a cultural basis and what was coming from a religious basis, like even from like my own parents, like my mom is pretty religious, but my dad is very cultural mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say that re that religious, but sometimes it pushes down like similar kind of things. Can so, you give an example of their, their difference? So even if it just comes to like something that is that something that is like religiously kind of preach or it's like oh dress modestly my dad is very like okay now you have to dress this way because you're a girl and um he's from he grew up in pakistan and so it's very like he just doesn't like seeing it you know so he's like okay well like why do you still dress like that and these and it's not even like it's just if your shirt's a little tight or something like this he just prefers it like fucks on you clothes you know that's what and my mom it's like okay well 
she actually doesn't say much because she also understands that it's um, a personal kind of relationship and that I'm older now. And so she'll just say, like, you know, like, dress however, like, you would identify it as. But, like, just understand that you do whatever you think is most pleasing to God. And so it's a different connotation that comes in, whereas, like, my dad comes from the Pakistani dad kind of mentality and, like, a very cultural kind of aspect um, and very different, you know. And he doesn't, like, isn't big on, like, oh, you should be really active in your prayers and that kind of stuff. It just came much more from, it's the same kind of root too, like it's the same kind of concept that they're saying, but it, the way that it comes from is from completely different like methodologies and kind of understanding the differences between that. And I had to, have, like, I had to develop my own kind of connection with reading the Quran in English multiple times in like different English translations to try to understand it and to develop my own kind of like understanding of it and figure out what I align with, what I don't align with, like listening to different talks and like scholars that I like can listen to and like easily like connect with versus ones that I can't and versus ones that my brother loves and he can connect with, but I just don't respond well to their like way of speaking. And so finding whatever works for you and whoever kind of fits towards it. But with the basis always just being like starting with, start with the Quran, don't even start, I would say don't even start with them. So this is advice actually my uncle once gave me. He said, don't even start with the tafsir of the Quran, start with you and the Quran and just the trans, like English translation and figure out whatever you find from it. And it's not gonna happen and like, it's, it's gonna take multiple times like to develop more, cause every time you read it, something else is gonna come out of it every single time. Cause it's like an ocean and it never stops. And so just, I would start there and that's kind of where I started was to figure out where that was and and so everything that was pushed on everything that was said to me I decided for myself if this aligns with my Islam mm. okay awesome so uh, we'll stop here and then we invite you all to come out uh, to with love market and cafe um, we went there last month and it was really fun so join us for lunch um, thank you again Mahin it was an excellent khutbah and let's continue the conversation over lunch inshallah assalamu alaikum assalamu alaikum